Hello everyone, we are rolling for another episode of the JJF1 podcast where Jonah and Jordan talk about all things related to F1. Happy Sunday, Jordan. Happy Sunday. How's it going? Good. Grand Prix Sunday at your favorite circuit. Yeah, my circuit favorite, not named Circuit Gilles Villeneuve. Let's remember that. Right. Uh, right. We had uh, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix this morning, uh, where Max Verstappen won from Sergio Perez and George Russell. Um, I wanted to know, what was your general opinion about this race because I'm going to be honest with you. My first opinion of this is this was the most boring Azerbaijan GP that has ever been hosted in the series of Azerbaijan GPs. Um, I only think that that's the case because there was no crazy safety cars or no crazy red flags. Or no tires blowing out. <laughs> no tires blowing out. Tire management was pretty good this time around. My initial thought was confused. And I will explain, because I think that everything that we're used to seeing this season didn't happen, or we're not used to seeing did happen, aside from the Red Bull 1-2. And mm-hmm. even that, we're not so used to seeing, you know, consistently, really. Um, but I would say confused. And I'll get more into it later on, but my initial reaction was I was confused on how the race ended, I was confused at what happened during the race. And I was confused at how the midfield battle also played out, and especially with our favorite team, Aston Martin. Yeah, I had I have a bunch of notes here. So the way that the way that we prepare for this episode is that I watch the race and I write a bunch of notes down. And those are my main talking points of how we want to go through this episode. And I have a lot of question marks on my on my paper this week. So that's what we're going to talk about. But which is why I'm confused. Exactly. Extremely confused. Um, but as always, we need to start in qualifying. And uh, Jordan, it was a bad weekend for Lance. <laughs> crashing, yeah. crashing twice on the same lap and then ending up in P19 and then DNFing for a mechanical failure. How doesn't this just sum up his season? (laughs) It sums up his season so far. I mean, Lance to me lately has been striking me as a driver. That's been more um, reactive than proactive. Mm -hmm. Um, He's been very reactive to situations that that, you know, he can't control going into it yet when he, goes in those situations is not proactive and what can possibly come of it. So Mm -hmm. the biggest example for me would be Australia when he was weaving on the straights. You know, that's just, it's kind of like a rookie mistake there when you crash to Latifi in qualifying and, you know, yes, it was both their faults, but something that you could foresee coming. Um, And this weekend was kind of the same thing where in qualifying, he crashed the first time around wing damage happened and then you was asked, it damaged i didn't see any damage the first well, time it's something that you do have to examine uh because there was contact and so because the team didn't do uh you know he didn't really report any damage the team didn't do any extensive checks and therefore i don't know you ask yourself why he crashed 
at the end of Q1 or the, in the middle of Q1. Coincidence? I don't know. I think not. Uh, what? What an absolute nightmare. I... I'm gonna I've said this last episode I'm gonna say it this episode it pains me because I'm sitting in his grandstand in like a week's time so less than a week's time on top of that Friday's the beginning of the weekend so um it is it has been a difficult last few weeks to root for Lance and it sucks because when he's on it he could score some decent points for the team um and we've seen it when we we've seen it pull through um but when he isn't on it we have episodes like this where his entire race just completely unfolds into madness yeah um, and even without the mechanical failure i mean he was running in about p14 p13 he could have uh, in my opinion if he didn't have that mechanical failure he may have gone into the points like maybe but we have to remember that seb was in p6 and if he didn't lock up when battling Ocon, could have been in the top four again in Azerbaijan. Thank so, you for spoiling one of the next notes. Uh, that I, I had. mean, let's let's talk about it, Jonah. This is a big thing. Lance was very much off Seb's pace. What do you make of that? I guess, I guess we kept on, we kept on. I wouldn't say making fun. We we didn't keep on making fun of Seb for his lackluster results. More than we just said, this isn't world championship material. This isn't world champion material. Um, I think we've shown that the talent of a world champion is still there in Seb. It's just that the car isn't there to sit to suit his world champion talents. Um, because of how far Lance was off Seb's pace. Sure, he was. He's not at his height with Red Bull, but I would say that he's probably at the same point of like his early tenure at Ferrari. Uh, I think that's a solid analysis of where Seb is right now in terms of his, his driving abilities. And it shows where Seb consistently ends up in lower points finishes and, and Lance, Lance doesn't, I mean, in, in an area, in a, in a season right now where, two or three tenths of a second can make that much of a difference, not only in qualifying, but in your race, those three tenths just aren't with Lance right now. And they're with Seb. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very hard to see as a Canadian fan, um, Lance not doing so well. And Latifi also, I mean, not really fans of Latifi, but as a Canadian, you want the Canadians to do well. It was not his weekend at all stuck in the back of the pack not even really worth mentioning but all to say that yeah it's just really disappointing how seeing how lance is so off the pacing without that mechanical failure and i understand that lance started way back compared to seb but at the same time when you look at their times like their lap times seb is way ahead of the curve it's multiple uh, tens it's multiple tens it's and 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 that makes a difference like I, we said last episode in formula one a tenth is equivalent to like a day in real time. <laughs> like that's how slow it takes to get from point A to point B for a Formula One car, for example. So um, yeah, it's just really disappointing to see. And I really think that um, Aston Martin's upgrades are beginning to show some hope. It's just, I'm wondering if Seb is just 
able because of his um, experience and you know his, his being a veteran is able to extract that um, those new upgrades more than Lance is. Um, we also know that Seb's adaptability is is great. He is yeah. able to adapt very well. Podium in his first year at Aston Martin. Um, and yeah, could have so been two. Could have been two if there wasn't uh, maybe a liter more of gas in the tank. Yeah, exactly. If there was a liter more of gas in the tank, uh, there would have been two podiums to his name. Meanwhile, Aston Martin is currently eighth in the Constructors' Championship. Haas is currently doing worse than them. Did you know that? Yeah, well, Haas, let's talk about Haas for a second because... What happened to Haas? We were we were rooting for them. For we the were on minute. the Steiner ship, and I, I want to still be on the Steiner ship. It's just very hard to. But if you look at where they qualified, they didn't get out of Q3, both of them. Q1, you mean? Q1, sorry. They didn't get out of Q1, both of them. And for a team that finished P6 in the first race and finished in the points in Monaco, so obviously they had a good qualifying pretty hard to believe um mick schumacher lots of talk being spoken about whether he even deserves a seat anymore which is crazy for me to think it about. is crazy eh yeah and um i'm just wondering if and you could tell me your take on this if it's either a driver problem or what i think it is is that has has not really done the development race as much as the other teams. That's exactly I think, what I was going to say. I think it's time to catch the up reason, The reason why, uh, in my opinion, the reason why Haas is so off the pace now, uh, I think it's just because they don't have enough money to bring in the upgrades. I wouldn't say period, because that would have been like 2020 Haas money. But now that they have a little bit more money, I would say they don't have, they, they're not bringing the upgrades at the same pace as the bigger teams if that makes any sense. Because when you have those, all those resources of a big team like a Red Bull, like a Mercedes, like a whatever, you could build parts in-house quickly and put it on the car and do the app uh, testing and it'll be on the car next week, for example. With Hess, you don't necessarily have the money to do that. So I, I, I think... I think that's the current state of Haas is that eventually they're going to pick it up when they're, when their upgrades come in. And the question is, when are those upgrades going to come in? Probably the European leg, but we'll see. But it, it's, it's great that we went to a, a circuit like the Baku city circuit, because these teams have a much better picture now, especially a team like Haas who was, who obviously has so much to improve on. They have a, good picture of where the upgrades need to go and so for a team that hasn't already spent money in upgrades a circuit like baku city circuit where you have straights galore you have a very twisty slow section in the back with the old city it gives you an idea it, it, it has sort of both areas where a formula one car needs to perform so because they haven't already spent money on upgrades now they're able to kind of assess everywhere their car needs to perform yeah. every type of turn and they can assess where they can effectively spend their money. And so I'm hoping that Haas does something like that where they use uh, the Baku city circuit sort of like their, 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 their laboratory. Yeah. Their lab, their, their, their opportunity to identify the key points in their car mm -hmm. where strategically they can improve. 
because as um, much as they've had like a crazy history with the, the Mazepin and the Russia scandal and everything, it's a team I want to see succeed, especially because I really like yeah. Kevin Mazepin. And, and also, I'm I'm currently in the U.S. because apparently I'm incapable of staying in a country for more than three days at a time. And Haas is an American team. I mean, if we, I mean, technically, if we wanted to root for any team for Homer Pride, it would kind of be Haas because it's the closest to us. I mean, I'm I'm a dual citizen. I'm a Canadian and American citizen. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I really hope that they pick it up. But, Jordan, I'm happy that you talked about straights because let's talk about the amount of porpoising we saw this entire weekend. Like, it was scary how much porpoising there was. And one particular situation that I want to talk about is Lewis Hamilton and how much pain he was in when he came out of the car at the end of the race. The camera specifically planned on it. Uh, I mean, we don't see inside his race suit, but there was probably um, a bruise the size of his entire back and his lower back when he was when he got out of that car. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned this because after the race, I saw that Total Wolf had said that he may not race in Canada because of back pains. And it's yeah. possible that he misses the race. The porpoising issue, and it's funny because at the beginning, at one point around Spain, we thought it was, you know, we thought it was getting fixed. We thought it was, there were improvements there. In a city where the wind blows differently like Baku and it's a city circuit, buildings, not really open air, the porpoising may hit different. Yeah. The wind flow may hit different. and. This was, I, it's hard. It's hard for a driver. Already they have six Gs. They have G-forces galore on their neck. These guys have- Six times the pressure of gravity. <laughs> it's, 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 their necks are like dumbbells. Like that's how yeah. big their necks are. And also are. 340, what? The top speed I saw on, on the straight was 337 kilometers an hour. Which is crazy. What? <laughs> so these guys, we don't those, realize how fast that truly is. For those who don't think the Formula One drivers are athletes, you are proven wrong. Yeah. Um, and yes, the back pain is real. I think that he, the porpoising is an issue in Mercedes. And it's an like issue everywhere. Said, even most, even yes. Ferrari, but I mean, no, Mercedes is definitely feeling boom, it the boom, most. Boom. Yeah. And so, they got to fix that if they want to have a, you know, a, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's an issue that they have to fix. And, and if it gets to an extreme level where they, it causes back pains and that can impact Lewis Hamilton's health and not even be able to race, that's an issue that you need to fix ASAP. It's, uh, yeah, uh, I remember... This is going to be the second podcast in a row that I'm going to say this specific word. But Toto went on the radio um, after Hamilton finished the race and said, listen, uh, Lewis, I know that the car's a shit box. I'm happy. I'm, I don't know how you managed to drive it, but thank you for your hard work. So if they realize it, then something is truly going on in Mercedes that we never thought would happen. Yeah, and like, and, and like I admitted last episode, I uh, forfeited my uh, prediction of them winning the World Championship. But 
Charles Leclerc is only 17 points behind. Sorry, George Russell is only 17 points behind Charles Leclerc in the driver's standings right now. Yeah, so so before we move on to other teams and other scenarios that I wanted to talk about, now that we're on the Mercedes subject, let's talk about George Russell. Because in my opinion, I think that was the quietest podium I've ever seen in in the last few years. It's just like, okay, Leclerc's out. Science is out. Perez is let Perez let him in. Who's in third? <laughs> oh, it's George Russell. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of getting used to seeing him a little bit here and there on the podium. Yeah. Um, and for somebody that we were never gonna, expecting to see on the podium last year. Um, but he, is, he did. He is 17 points behind a Ferrari in the, in the driver's standings after round eight. Um, Look, I my theory will always be the same, and I'll continue to say this for the rest of the year. George Russell is used to driving a terrible car and taking it to places that it will never be, but so happens to be there. Is it and Mr. Sunday? Done. Do we call him Mr. Sunday? I don't know if we're calling him Mr. Sunday yet. I think um, he's got to win a race to be called Mr. Sunday. But That's true. But look, um, I think that, he is really the he's really the shit box whisperer. We can call him that. He's really the he's really the, the lemon whisperer. Because yeah. yeah, because he's really taking that citron and uh making a making a really a, a good car out of a bad one. And it's impressive and it really shows his talent that we saw bits and pieces of in Williams and I'm so happy that he's getting this opportunity to show his worth in a top team. Um, but like I said, when I predicted that he would go to Mercedes, he just is coming in at, at the worst moment where with the change of regulations, they're not consistently, consistently fighting for wins and podiums and championships anymore. No. And also I'd like to point out one thing. Um, I mean, I don't like to point this out. I don't want to point this out, but I kind of morally have to. I don't think that if Valtteri was still in that seat, that Mercedes would be where they are right now. I, I agree. I agree. And it pains me to say this because Valtteri is an amazing driver, and I think he deserves to be in Formula 1 for a long time. And I think that Alfa Romeo is a good fit. They just have been kind of unlucky in the past couple of weeks with um, you know, with strategy and 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 well, and, on top of that, out, if you exactly. if you want to talk about Alfa Romeo, there was also Joe Guan Yu who actually went past Valtteri Bottas this week uh, for team orders. They let Joe pass Valtteri. Yeah, it, it's interesting to see how the number two, I guess, in, you know, in quotes, um, is getting sort of priority. And I'm really. This is just a general race opinion. I hate when team orders have to come into play. It really bothers me when the Red Bull mechanic goes to Max or to Checo, I forget who it was, and says, no fighting. I was going to talk, like, that's also on my bullet points. So I guess we could just dive into it. <laughs> yeah. Was, I, what's what, what's uh, your take? It was it was um, Checo. Uh, Checo's mechanic went on and said no fighting, um, so that Max could go through. And it was because Max had more pace. But I just want to talk about the amazing weekend that Sergio Perez had. 
um, at the same time, because yes, uh, Sergio Perez ended up in second. However, we forget that into turn one, he was in the lead. Um, and it was an amazing, it was an amazing turn, an amazing pass. And I thought the Charles Leclerc pulled the Lewis Hamilton 2021 and just forgot to switch his brake magic or something like that. Cause I saw him locking up and then I said, Oh, there's no way he's going to fall through again. He made the turn, but Sergio Perez made it first. And after being fastest in both in all three practices and then second in qualifying second in the race, I think that this is, uh, proof that Sergio Perez can finally stack it up against Max, and just in this situation, I mean, sure, after he let him through, he actually have he completely lost pace. So I understand Red Bull's decision to let him, um, to say no fighting and to let Max through, but this just shows that if he has the opportunity to win a championship, he might be able to do it. Probably not this year, but maybe next year, maybe who knows. Um, I have to disagree with you on this one. Why? Tell me. I, I think that when you have two drivers that are, you know, maybe have a bit of animosity between them, the compete levels are very high. The tensions are very high, you know, kind of like a Nico and Lewis, um, then I would understand why you would say no fighting. But generally, Checo and Max have not never gotten along with a teammate. I mean, yes, you can think of Ricardo, you know, Max vibes in Baku a couple years back when they rammed each other in the back. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I don't think Checo really has like that reputation of being that much of an aggressive driver. I and still also, think that I he think, had an amazing weekend, though. Right. But I do think that both of them are the type of people that value their team enough to not put their team at risk and not to do dangerous driving. Um, and not, you know, there's no contract disputes there. No one's really angry at each other because they both are set. They They're both up, Sergio's up for two years. Max is up for yeah. four more years. So when Seb and... And Leclerc crashed into each other. I believe it was in Austria. Or I thought it was, oh, Austria 2020? Or are you talking about Brazil 2019 or something like that? I'm talking about Austria 2020. Okay. They crashed into each other. It was already when Seb had been let go from Ferrari. He was clearly angry because Charles was coming a number two driver. You know, it's not a tension situation like that. So when you have that situation, like I understand why Danny, Rick, and Lando were told not to to, 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 to stay put because that was purely strategy um, made sense and they also you know Lando's made comments we've seen some behind the scenes footage you never know with these two drivers especially when one of them has a contract dispute you know in, in a talks yeah so what generally I'm a big fan of how Otmar deal with it in Saudi Arabia how we just said we're gonna let let them race <laughs> that's that's what's happening and you know what from a financial perspective, that's better for their teams because if they don't crash each other, their cars just get more airtime. And us viewers see more of Oracle. We see more of Bybit. We see more of all their sponsors. 
that's very... I was going to say Velas, but Velas is Ferrari. Velas is Ferrari, but we see more of all their sponsors, so it'd be in Well, we see more of Red Bull. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's the type of thing where, like, okay, fine. If tire management is, like, really, really, really bad this weekend because of weather, because of this, because of that, fine. But it wasn't. There was a lot... Tires were managed pretty well. The weather wasn't as bad as last year. The heat wasn't as terrible. And so... I, I'm a very, when, when the circumstance permits it, I think that there should always be a let them race. Mm-hmm. And that's my take. Because then what are we watching? We're watching a, a game of chess. The chess is part of the race though. Of course, but when it's, it's kind of like organized chess. Mm, that's fair. Uh I kind of I, I I know that I just stated my own opinion, but I kind of understand what you're saying too. I like. Yeah, I mean, both both of them make sense. Like, we have to think of it's it's kind of like a case by case basis. If yeah, exactly. If, if, I if mean, the weather I don't. Is so I, I hope the track is awful that day, and the tires. You know, if the engineers say the tires are going to give out seventy five percent into the race, you have to Let manage it properly for them not to. That's. You, you make the shots and that's what matters because you don't want to spend the money. The cost cap comes into effect. This, that, lots of factors play in. But when everything is working out just fine, the DNFs we saw were not related to tires. They were related to mechanical issues, engine issues. Red Bull was not seeing that. So then what's the point of having a controlled race? Two interesting takes here at the JJF1 podcast. <laughs> and then to me, what I think is that that just sets up animosity within their team that just doesn't set up a proper culture for their team you want Checo and max to work with each other not against each other mm-hmm. but when things like this happens you know it makes Checo angry and he's very vocal about it too yeah i'd very much like to see what happens in montreal in response to that yeah um uh- actually i have one more thing uh, on Red Bull that I wanted to talk about before we go to another team. The amount of domination that Max was doing was so much that Max's engineer went on and said, cut your lap times by half a second a lap and don't use DRS. Isn't that just so evident that Max completely crushed this race after he was let by. Yeah, I mean, I never heard that before in my life. I've never, I've never heard that ever. And it wasn't just for for Max too; it was for Checo. But they they put uh, Max's um, engineer on the radio, so that's that's what came to mind first. Yeah, I mean, I never seen that or heard that in my. Four, really four years of being an F1 fan and watching every race, I've never seen that. I think they were just extremely paranoid um, from last year uh, where Max's tire blew out. So they just said, listen, don't destroy the tires. Just keep it home. You already have a 20-second lead. Just, just don't screw up, please. <laughs> yeah, and also we were seeing you know, mechanical failures left, right, and center, and who knows why that could have been. They really wanted to control it, it was to me this race was more of a red bull win than a max win yeah um and that's what it felt like and it's unfortunate because it was max's 25th win so pretty a milestone here the uh, same 
the same amount of wins as Nikki Lauda and James Hunt. Right. Uh, and the crazy stat that I saw after the race, ESPN posted it, that Max has more wins than from Leclerc Poles. Leclerc Poles. And Leclerc has win from Leclerc Poles. Isn't Which is funny, funny because... because we've, had, Biden, we've had a crazy season so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm really hoping that, you know, Montreal turns out to be a good race and less controlled because I don't know about you, but if I go to the race... I'm not going to have access to team radio. So I'm hoping to see like a good. Uh... We've been waiting far too long for this moment. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping the lack of data from recent years makes a good race. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Um, but speaking of which, Ferrari double DNF uh, signs is hydraulics or brake pedal giving out and Leclerc's engine failing. I'm going to be honest with you. The drivers have my sympathy. The team of Ferrari does not. Yeah. Ferrari, Ferrari as a team does not have my sympathy. They don't have my, like the car is meant to be reliable. The car is meant to finish the race. There's something wrong with the setup that you consistently have both your cars DNFing because of mechanical failures. Like that can't happen. You're at the top level of motorsport. You have the opportunity to fight for a championship. They're just undoing their chances and it's their own fault. So I'm gutted for Leclerc and I'm gutted for signs, but I don't feel bad at all for Ferrari. Yeah. I mean, I'm at this point where I just really want signs to get his first win. Yeah. Um, it's like, it, it's starting to feel very overdue. Because at the beginning, we were, we were at the beginning of the season, we were talking about how Ferrari is going to dominate and it's Ferrari's year. You know, Tafosi is going to have their time in, in, the, in, in, in the spotlight. I said that Leclerc would win the championship. And we're very far from that. And the reason why I said confused the beginning of the episode is because at the beginning, Red Bull powertrains had an issue. At the beginning, Mercedes power units were not as quick as they once were. And now we're kind of seeing a flip in the script. Um, Ferrari has picked it up. And RBBT has picked it up. And the Haas is at the back of the grid. The um, Ferraris are DNFing because of engine issues and having to go in slow into the pit lane. Something fishy is happening. And that's why I'm confused because I want to put my finger on it, but I just cannot. Are you getting 2019 flashbacks again? <laughs> I'm not, not yet. I feel like they ha- has to be confirmed for multiple races, but I'm just, yeah. I'm just confused as to how this, the script suddenly fell and Gasly's now in P5 and Leclerc doesn't finish the race. Yeah. Uh, no. And Sonoda, Sonoda could have done super, super well also. I think at one point he was running in P4 or P6, P6 or something P6. like that. And if his DRS flap didn't split in half, he would have finished around that point. Right. Yeah. So like like I said, some something's going on, but you guys are at the top level of motorsport. You finally have the opportunity to do something well. And it hasn't happened. 
for the last two races. And Leclerc has lost so many points because of it. And so has Sainz. Sainz, over the course of the season, probably um, his mistakes have been more of his own doing than Ferrari's. But still, you can't, you can't have this major opportunity to win a championship and completely destroy it because of your own doing. To me, it's it's absolutely unacceptable, not only to the drivers, but to the fans who have been so hyped for this season and right. who have seen the true potential of that car. It can't happen. We have to remember that right now the drivers are on a triple header. They're going from Monaco, you know, east to, to Azerbaijan, and then they're flying to a whole other continent within three weeks. Monaco was Monaco wasn't last week. Monaco was two weeks ago. Monaco was last week. No, it was definitely two weeks ago. Are we sure about this? Uh wait, hold on. Monaco was late. Monaco was late May. And right now we're in the second weekend of June. You're right. It was late May. You're 100%. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. I'm thinking it was last week, but it was not. No. Anyways. I, uh, is the triple header, I think the triple header is the Canada and then the week after. What's the week after? It used, it normally it's France, but now it's Silverstone. I have to look this up right now. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna look this up right now. We're doing now some because, JJF1 research. Yeah, we're doing some F JJF1 research. I also want to mention that uh, I've spent most of my morning preparing the graphics uh, for social media for the rest of the season. No, so, the British, uh, the British will, Grand Prix in two weeks. Yeah, I will not miss. I will not miss posting when the times are in Montreal time for the rest of the season because I've already made all the graphics and I've also made all of the graphics for when all of our future episodes are published. So there we go. I'm on it. I am on it. <laughs> so uh, it is going to, I'm, I've already, I'm going to schedule everything out and post everything as soon, uh, as soon as this episode finishes. So yeah, anyways, all this to say, you were talking about Monaco you were talking about Azerbaijan and then you're talking about Canada. So walk us through the rest of that thought. Um, I was going to say that they're going to Canada next week. They're fucking tired, these drivers. <laughs> um, so we got to like cut them some slack and understand where they're coming from. And they're also really frustrated because these new cars, it's a whole learning curve for them. So it's pretty disappointing as a race fan but we got to understand that you know none of them are you know adaptability our levels are at 100 mm -hmm. they're all learning this new car especially cars that are so different like the mercedes like the mclaren um and there are big changes so that, that was that was just my point but i'm hoping that the summer break does some good stuff for them i hope that the summer break does some good stuff too um because not only for them, but for us, we've had a crazy first leg of the season. We have the Canadian Grand Prix in a week's time, and then we're going to have a, a three-week break um, at some point to just take everything in and unpack what this uh, crazy season has brought on to us. That being said, do you have anything else to say about the race? 
Danny, Rick, finishing the points. Pretty happy. All right. Well, then, you know what this means, Jordan. In seven days' time, it will be lights out and away we go in Montreal for the Canadian Grand Prix. I can't believe I'm saying this. I have waited so long for this moment to happen since we've started filming this podcast, since everything before that. I can not believe we are finally going back to Montreal and I'm going to be at the track for the pit walk. You're doing the pit walk with me, right? Yeah. Pit we'll be filming some content there. So please yeah. stay tuned. We're going to, we're going to film a lot of social media content at the pit walk. And then I'm going to be at the track Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from seven 30 in the morning. The second that the circuit opens, I will be at the track and we're going back to Circuit de Villeneuve, which means that we probably have uh, some great bold predictions to make for this podcast's home race. Yeah, well, I'd love to see a Canadian in the points, um, but that's sort of wishful thinking, you know, crazy to say that. Um, but I say that my uh, bold prediction would be that. Carlos Sainz finishes in the, on, on the podium. I think it's a stretch if I say that he uh, he wins, but I'd like to see him on the podium. You want to know what I think is going to happen? If you say Lance win, I will I will kill you. <laughs> no, uh, not not a Lance win. Don't worry about that. I'm not that uh, I'm not that crazy. But uh, I will say that I think Checo is going to win. Yeah, I also think he could win too. I um, hope he does because that would make a very interesting championship battle. Yeah, with the amount of pace that he's shown this weekend up until no fighting, that man could definitely pull out a win. And I will be extremely happy for Checo if it does, if it, if it happens. And uh, I'm going to be in the Lance Stroll grandstand uh, over the course of the weekend. So I'm going to have, I'm bringing my Canadian flag I'm bringing my Aston Martin hat and my Aston Martin shirt, and I'm playing my best uh, Lance Stroll doppelganger. So it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a very very fun weekend. And for right now, it looks like the weather's supposed to be good. Also, interesting. So in in Formula One language, I don't know if that's good or if that's bad. I don't know. I don't know. But let's see. Uh, Final, final comments of how excited you are for Montreal, and then we're going to wrap up. I am so excited. I can't do the pit walk with you on Thursday morning. Be there or be square. It's going to be fun. All right. Well, in that case, if you want to see what we're up to for the Canadian Grand Prix and for the rest of the season and beyond, feel free to like us on our, like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at the JJF1 Podcast. And we will see you for the next episode. See ya. See ya.